different from the mainstream check. Now, if you want this mainstream check, then you gotta conform a bit. Now, there's nothing wrong with conforming because all we are here to do is show others how to get to this level so you can bring about progressive change. I have like a special tie with New York City because, you know, this is, this is the place that really made me, that gave me my tenacity, gave me my spunk, my hustle, like the fact I could move through the city at a young age. So I said, you know what, I'll be there. For me, the idea of protest is a real one because I'm from Haiti. So like I'm, I'm showing up <laughs> knowing like anything can happen. At the time I'm with Beast and Beast is the friendly giant. You know, a lot of people think like he's my bodyguard, but he's really like my brother. Um, he's from Belize, looks like a giant, got green eyes. And I'm with my other man, E Diamond from Brooklyn. And we get out there and some of this stuff you definitely could see online. And the crowd realizes who I am, you know, and the kids are there all kind of, everyone's out there for this protest. And I have to get through a certain section to get to Russell Simmons and Jay-Z and them, they're on the stage. And it's uh, police. And he's like, look, man, I don't care who you are, you're not going through this area. But I was like, Okay, I understand, is there another way? Because it, Russell and him was like, you know, come on. It's like, there's no other way. You're just gonna have to back up and... So, at the end of the day, you have to understand, I'm somebody that has worked with Ray Kelly. I have officers in my family. So, you can't bamboozle me. Like, I, I'm like... Everyone who knows me know at a very young age, I wanted to be a SEAL. But the way he came at me and the way like he spoke to me, at the end of the day, we both men. So I think like the conversation should still be mutual. Of course you have authority and I'm not supposed to create chaos. And I didn't feel like I was doing that. And I was like, look, if Sinatra came here with his hat, you saw him, you would let him pass, you know? I'm I'm going, I told you I'm already going to the stage. All right, boom, boom, boom. He starts to bring more officers and I put my hands on my back and I get on my knees. <clears throat> the crowd is watching this, the energy starts to come up like a, one of those Spike Lee movies, you know what I mean? And they go to put their hands on me. The minute Beast saw one police officer was putting their hands on me, he automatically turns into the Hulk. <laughs> and if you see this video, he literally, it literally looked like one of those movies. He's tossing like six officers around, like we're like in an X-Men movie or something. And I scream, I'm like, yo, Beast, stop it, stop it, stop it. And then Beast stops and then Beast gets, assumes the position too, because now they're gonna put him in cuffs. And <clears throat> this thing looked like the Last Supper, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going down, the Romans are on us. And my man E from Brooklyn, he feels the moment. He feels like this is a special moment. 
And then he feels like it's a moment of reform. So he too gets down and, you know, they throw us in the wagon and, you know, hit us a little bit with the sticks, you know, them cops giving you that extra boom, boom. <laughs> Hold on to this while you're in the wagon. Oh, uh, right? So, <laughs> um, so when we in the wagon, we get down to the station. They put me in a cell, and they put Beast in a cell. There's only one way to go to jail, and it has to be like, because you stand for something, and you will not bow down the institution when it comes to being on side of the right. When I say right, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't be like, oh, Clef's a Republican now. <laughs> um, and my wife comes, she gets me out, Beast gets out, and then the officers go, your other man, we keeping him in here, right? And I'm like, huh? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, we keeping him here. We found some weed on him, and we found a long knife. Crocodile man style knife, RIP to the crocodile man. It's all over the news that night. You know what I'm saying? And you know, Mayor Bloomberg's like, why Clef stays out of my way, I'll stay out of his way, you know, or something like that, he said, you know. But I came in a protest. So as far as like I was concerned, I was like, everybody should have went to jail with me. At the end of the day, where I come from, we all should be in jail. But once again, I felt like it was for a great cause. But now I gotta get my man out of jail. So get the lawyer. Then I go see E. I'm like, E, what the f are you doing, man? Dog, come on, bro. Like, the f happened, bro? Like, this ain't you. You know what I mean? Like, you know how you move. This ain't you. Like, you, you know, you move like young Zeke's. And my, my man look at me dead in the eyes and he says, I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. When I saw, like, you get on your knees, Beast got on his knees, I just had a Martin Luther King moment. I forgot I had a big knife on me, man, and some weed. <laughs> Yo, so... Well, my man Beast gets out, uh, my man E, you know, figure out we get him out. And, you know, la later, me and uh, Mayor Bloomberg are doing, um, guess we both are marshals at the West Indian Day Parade, right? Because at the end of the day, you could disagree, but the key is to, you're not gonna always agree with all the policies, but you can't just continue fighting. Like you have to find a medium ground. And I'm all about debate. Like you gotta find a medium ground. When I look back at that story, all I could think of is E, because at the end of the day, someone who was from the toughest community out of Brooklyn and with so much street cred and he told you he had a Martin Luther King moment. And all he wanted to do was stop at that time, forgetting the fact that he had a long ratchet on him. And he wanted to stand up for a cause. We have to just check ourselves for a second. Like how many E's that are out there that actually want to stand up for a cause and we don't give them that opportunity. 
we actually put them away for life. You know what I'm saying to you? So let's get into that. Run that back. Run that back. The pandemic was good for me. Likewise, you yeah. have me spend time with the fam, you know? Man, I needed some time off bad. Yeah. I didn't even know how hard I was working, man. I've just been in the grind so long. Yeah, it's so crazy because sometimes when you are the leader of the fort, it always feels like if you not there, like the whole ship will break down. You know what I yeah. mean? What the pandemic did was just give people time to breathe a little. You know what I mean? Be yeah. like, hold up. For sure. Actually, the world will keep spinning if I'm not here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I want to start off by telling you how I feel about you, because I probably never said that. Okay. Um, so coming from Haiti, being like the first black republic, and at the time, what was always interesting to me about Haitian revolution in the story was, because by the time I got to America, I was 10 years old. And so my daddy came and got me when I was 10 from this hut. And in the United States, when I went to school, and they was teaching me black history. So, but within black history, I always was like, yo, how come they not talking about 1804? Like the Haitian revolt, like the first blacks to ever get their independence. And I'd be like, hold up. Why are they not talking about like the Louisiana Purchase and the Haitians literally giving America the sweetest deal, you know? I'd be like, well, hold up. The idea of separating slaves, you know, keeping us on one side and keeping the slaves in America on one side at the time was a power that they possessed because if me and you was able to exchange information, maybe at the time I could have told you how we defeated the Napoleon army. Mm. And that could have been, that could have moved things a little more forward like in America as far as like us being black people and they didn't tell us. So when I see you, it's important for history to understand. I see you as what I call the gatekeeper of the fort. And with the gatekeeper comes a big ass cross mm. that he has to carry. Because what happens is when you are the first of your kind to show us how it's going to be done, that comes with a whole lot. Yeah. And that's the information that they didn't want us to exchange. So watching you, and as you continue to grow and teach us, um, I see you as a protector of the fort. Um, so there's something that says that history will always prevail certain human beings. Like, cause at times when we alive, I always say Bob Marley don't have no Grammys. So, and he's the biggest artist in the world. Mm. So at times when we alive, it's, it, it always means sometimes is, and you know, this is someone who, you know, I know the likes of Madeline Nelson, who's my manager, will tell you like, I don't know nothing about no pop culture. But if you tell me, you know, who's the leader of North Korea, you know, and, and you know, a man who understands face to face with Castro, um, with Hugo Chavez that, you know, that actually ran to become president of a country. So this is the accolades. Um, I'm, I, wanna, I want you to know, like, I put you up there with 
people that I look up to, like Malcolm X. And um, so as you bear this cross, because it's a big cross, man, um, how do you how do you maintain like day to day just as you like no hype just the the peace of mind family you know man this is really interesting because like nobody nobody has ever asked me that nobody has never acknowledged that side of it and so it's kind of got me sitting back because i'm listening to you especially coming from you man it's hard man because I mean, who, who, I don't really have that person to turn to, to say, okay, man, so how do I handle this? I, I do have some people, man, who, 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 who have some like things in their life that I can turn to sometimes, but it's mostly on a spiritual level, man, when I just say, hey, man, when the motivator needs motivating, what do I do? And you know, I get some spiritual advice from a lot of people and stuff like that. That's more, more of a heavy uh, spiritual type. But it's daunting, man. It really, really is, and it's it's hard to do. And 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 the thing that manages to keep me moving forward is I have this amazing ability that God has given me to manage to survive one day, one day. See, I break everything down in ones. If I break it down into ones, I can make it. You know, if all I got to do is one more year, cool. Then what I do is I got to make it one more month. And then after I make that month, I got to say, all right, man, I got to make it one more week. And then after that week, I got to make it one more day. And then I got one more show. And then I got one more hour. And then finally I get to say, I got to do it one more time. I just keep it in the ones, man. I always live my life inch by inch, anything's a cinch. This responsibility that I've been given is hard, man, when you at the forefront for black people. See, man, I've always lived my entire career for black people. Without me saying it, I always wanted black people to be able to point at me and go, man, that's our dude. He ain't going to dog us. He ain't going to leave us. He ain't going to cross over and not come back. See, I never crossed over and didn't come back. I just built a bridge, and everybody that want to see this, come on over here and see it. I never went over there. So when something happened, I couldn't come back home. And so... When you feel that way about black people, stating the fact or not stating the fact, I've always understood that I have an obligation to our people. Whether they from Hades, whether they from Jamaica, whether they from the motherland, I don't care, man. I know they looking at me. And so I try to be, conduct myself that way. Now I'm human, so I made a lot of mistakes along the way. You know, and I've done a lot of things on behalf of our people that got miscued as something else. But to be honest with you, Clef, is really hard, man, because uh, it's like, man, I, I didn't have a machete in my hand, you know. Out here, I've been cutting some trails, man, where ain't nobody been walking on. I had a machete. I ain't, I ain't just get on the path and follow somebody. I went out here and, and did some things that hadn't been done, man, and for you to even bring that up at this particular moment is kind of mind-blowing to me because, you know, but it takes another king to recognize 
that because, you know, you got your own cross that you bear. I mean, you Wycliffe, you from Haiti, man. How many, how many get to say that? How many makes it out of that to become an international figure? You know, you, you yourself alone. I mean, when you talk about all the great uh, Haitian icons, you know, man, I mean, you right there. So you could, you, it, it would take somebody like you to understand. And I appreciate you acknowledging that. It's hard, man. I just gotta, I just, I just keep waking up, man, and keep allowing the process to do what it do. And some days I don't even want it, to be honest with you. I want to set all this mess down somewhere and say, hey, man, let somebody else have this. But it was just put on me, so I just had to deal. Man, I so over, overstand it to a few points, right? So when, when I said earlier and I mentioned like Hugo Chavez and I mentioned Castro, right? I know some people are like, yo, you talking about dictator, Clef? Like, what you compare? No, you know, I guess I could mention Bill Clinton in the same conversation. Um, and within the same conversation, I mentioned Bill Clinton. I, as why Clef, can also mention Donald Trump in this kind of same conversation. Um, as I mentioned Donald Trump, I can also mention Rosa Parks, right? Mm. Because how am I able to mention everybody in the same conversation? Because to me, the first part about it has to be a dialogue of truth. And a dialogue of truth within these United States of America and within our Constitution, if something is right, we got to say it's right. And if something is wrong, we have to state that it's wrong. And the reason why I said this to you is because Toussaint Louverture, a Haitian general who bared the cross, who died in, in, in the dungeon in the Napoleon army, there was like, um, who died in the dungeon in France under Napoleon, they, he was also criticized at the time too because they was like, yo, what are you doing going to talk to the French? You should not be going to talk to the French. Like this dude done slayed us and we trying to get our independence. But Napoleon knew that he had to bear that cross. And when he was in that dungeon, he was like, look, do whatever y'all want to me. But the seeds have been planted. So let me show you the seeds that you've planted. So you've planted people like me. What happens is we had an era and a time where we didn't have the internet, right? So being right. that we didn't have the internet, the 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 power of, of talk radio and the people that we had to hear could never hear what we were saying because they was the ones in the forefront and they were talking. So the playing field has been leveled now. And what does that mean that the playing field is level? It means that everybody is entitled to an opinion whether it's good or bad, right? Right. So why Clef Jean can speak, and there's a million little why Clefs that could speak, and when we say that you bear the cross, it's like when I was coming up, my mentor who passed away, his name was Khalees Bayon from Cool in the Gang. And he was the ones who gave me the chops, like Jungle Boogie and all of that. So I'm coming up and he says, Clef, do you want to play street ball? Or do you want to be in the NBA? 
And I said, well, I want to be in the NBA. And he says, the NBA is different than streetball. Because with streetball, Clef, I promise you, I could show you kids that would cross on Jordan at a time, that played in the streets. Mm -hmm. But they will never be in the level of Jordan because there is rules that comes when you decide to roll with an institution. And I said, I want to play within the NBA. So in playing in the NBA, we have to overcome certain things because if you mm -hmm. were the first one to do it, you'd be like, oh, straight out of Haiti from the NBA, we got a wide clef jean. Now, literally, you're not representing yourself. You represent an entire country that is looking at you. So if we street ball, certain things that they call as a foul, <laughs> like we yeah. don't call that in street ball, we just play ball. So at right. the end of the day, for me, when you are playing in the NBA, when I am playing in the NBA, and the people are on the court, the fans, right? They're entitled to say whatever the hell they want to say. So some are gonna love you, some are gonna hate you. And then in this process, you like, look, man, now you start to give the message to your other friends. You like, look, yeah. you want to come to the NBA with me? There yeah. are certain ways that we have to get it because once That's we right. get in the structure of the NBA, then we'll be able to literally on the floor of the paint say Black Lives Matter. Right. But ain't no way in hell we was going to be able to say Black Lives Matter if there wasn't a group that sacrificed and endured. And if when they were first getting in, if people knew that they would have a stance on how we feeling now, then a lot of them wouldn't have even made it through the politics. That's right. So my thing, yeah, so my thing with you and understanding you is how do you convince? Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of kids that are coming up and we all are looking right. up to you. Like leaders are looking up to you. But when I say about this gay thing, how do you convince someone that, look, man, I'm really protecting you at the end of the day. It's almost like if my daughter is 15, I'm like, don't go to this party. She's going to the party, right? And then when she goes to the party, say something happened, then later she's going to call me and say, Daddy, you know you was right. Maybe I shouldn't have went to the party, but man. I went, right? So talk to me, King. See, it's all a see, see, what you're saying is something, man. I wish I could get more of us to understand. Like, for example, you know, young people have an advantage over when we were coming up. Like you started out talking about the internet. All of a sudden, they have immediate global access because of Google. You know, you can't even have a debate with young people no more. Because while you're debating, they just start Googling, and here they come. I know. <laughs> he, he 38. Well, I know, I, I know he's 50. Dad, he's 38. You understand? Because they can Google it, right? Well, we didn't have that. So young people have come up in this age of technology, and they have access to information. What I try to tell young people is like, you know, you can't Google everything. Stop it, man. Let's have an exchange because I can share something. Dad, you can Google everything. Name something you can't Google. And I hit them with it. Experience. Dog, you can't Google experience. I've been here a long time. 
To know what I know, you got to be here a long time. Now, as a gatekeeper, as you call me, I can tell you some things that's going to happen at every level because I've been at all of them. Now, you can think it's not going to happen because you think you're going to do it a new way, but it ain't no new way to the top. You, you cannot take the elevator to the top. You got to take the stairs. It's, it's no other way. But they think they're going to Google the way to the top. So that's the first thing I try to get them to understand. The next thing I try to get them to understand is this, man. You can't be mainstream and militant at the same time. You got to get slick about this, man. You can have militant thoughts. You can have a militant heart. But you got to accomplish this through the platform that you are on now. See, like you talk about the NBA. There's some street ballers that's cold. But to play in the league, man, we got rules. They got David Stern, man. They got rules, man. They got rules to play in the NBA. You got to wear these socks with Jerry West leaning with that ball. You want to wear them socks? You want that check, that 40 million? This the way it's played. They have asked all the brothers, we got to start dressing a certain way. You can't jump on nobody. You can't get a case against you. You can't get domestic battery charges. You can't sell dope, and you can't get busted with a DUI. That's the rules. If you do, we're going to have to sit you down because you cannot hurt the brand. You might be the best ball player. You might be the best rapper. You might be the best musician. But if you want to be in the mainstream and get this mainstream check, see that hood check different from the mainstream check. Now, if you want this mainstream check, then you got to conform a bit. There's nothing wrong with conforming because all we are here to do is show others how to get to this level so you can bring about progressive change. It used to be you couldn't be on TV with dreads. But through the progression of teaching people how to behave and letting them see how to behave when you get to the league, when you get to this level right here, more and more dreads have become acceptable. Now you can get on TV with dreads. That was a time you couldn't, man. But somebody had to teach them how to behave so that they could see beyond the hairstyle to get here. So what I try to share with young people mostly, man, is you can't be militant and mainstream. And it's okay, man. Like, in my heart, I know who I am. I'm a 63-year-old black dude. You can't fool me about racism. You can't teach me nothing new about it. I done had it happen at every angle, every level. I swear to God I have. But now that I know this, I also know how you can win in spite of racism. But you're going to have to listen to me because I'm going to show you the mainstream way to fight racism. And then when you get at a certain level, you can fight from a different level. You know, somebody said to me, Steve Harvey, I ain't seen you out there on the front line protesting. You know, you, I ain't seen you out there marching. Wait a minute, man. Hold up, man. Well, what are you talking about? Do you listen to my four-hour radio show every day while I'm talking to eight million black people? Do you ever listen to that show? See, I'm dropping my bombs from the air. I'm 63. 
I, I, marching, march, protesting is a young people's sport, partner. You got to be able to run, change directions, jump over the police car, dive behind the bushes, run down Facts. the steps. You, they shooting. You got to be able to duck, roll, Facts. drop and roll. Them days for me, I ain't, I ain't in that no more. So I fight for black people up here. I'm in meetings on Wall Street trying to tell them, look, man, this is what these young people are saying. Because all of my children are millennials, all seven of them. This is what young people are saying. And I had that meeting on Madison Avenue. I have that meeting in board meetings to talk about it. And I'm able to effectively bring about change right there. Because I've taken my militancy, toned it down so I can function in mainstream. And I can get more done from here than I was when I was, you know, out there on the streets talking about y'all, y'all, y'all gotta treat us better. You know, this is like a dream come true. You're amazing. You know, we're gonna get into some light stuff, but I had so much that I had to tell you because I like overstand the situation. <laughs> so yeah. at this point in my life, I feel like Quincy when he was 50. Mm. Right? Because it's like I know where I'm going in the next five years, right? And it's like I gave it all up and tried to enter the field of politics and it completely uh, dismantled me in one way, but it made me stronger in another way. Mm -hmm. um, they always say where I come from, we wounded, but once we put the patch back, we ready to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. In, in saying that, there's something going on with the climate and we can't ignore what's going on with the climate because this thing is really real. And mm -hmm. so when I was coming up, it's sort of like I seen how the Oprah Winfrey show started out. You see what I'm saying? Then later when I meet Quincy Jones, then he broke down, you know, how he got Oprah, you know, um, helped her out with, the, you know, getting into a position of show, you know. Um, I look at Will Smith, how Quincy helped execute the situations, right? Um, and I look quietly how Quincy has been able to constantly help people in ways like that has been, con right. you know, he continues to do that. So be inspired by like a Quincy Jones, right? I was like at 50, that's my motto. Like I look at him, right, and I said, okay, you know, I've been wounded, put the patches back. Now, where's Michael Jackson? I'm looking for the next Michael Jackson. What's the biggest movie I'm about to score? But in this process of me having spent time with Quincy through my life, like we've been in bizarre situations, but it's very cool. Like at one time with Quincy, me, Quincy, and Bono showed up at Giant Stadium for a fundraiser, which was going to happen. We, we always laugh about that. It wasn't promoted well, and the stadium was barely half full. And we yeah. all was laughing at that. Like, look, you know what I mean? Like the power of no promotions, you know what I mean? So, right. but one thing about Q was how he helped people, whether if it was Oprah, whether if it was Will Smith, and we could keep going, right? Let's go deeper than Quincy, right? Clarence, Clarence Avon, Godfather, right? So as a student who studies the culture in the game, I'm watching how all of these Godfathers, they come in and at times they gotta move silently to adjust people right. and help put them in their positions, right? And they, they speak to them of a code where 
there was a time with no computers and, and none of that. So meaning like they brought you in a room, they had a private conversation with you and they let you know these things that you're telling me right now. Like if, do you want to play NBA or do you want to play street ball? You know what I'm saying to you? They told you that. So my thing for you is as we move towards the future and there are the new Steve Harveys, the new Oprahs, the new Wyclefs, the new generation that is coming up. And as we move forward, because there is a piece of us that feels like there's something called Black Hollywood, right? And yeah. we all feel like something like that exists, you know? So, and what that means is, at the end of the day, right now, my favorite director and writer is Lena Way, who did Queen and Slim from The Shot. She's just amazing. You know, she has that kind of energy. So for more of us that as we come up, wanna be, if, is there such a thing as Black Hollywood and what that really means for like young writers that are writing out of Chicago, that are writing out of Haiti, out of Africa, out of all of that? Or is that just the word that people use? You know what I'm saying to you? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if we want to get involved and keep growing and become bigger, like the Steves, the, the Qs and all of that, is there a way that we're supposed to move to get to be part of that? Is that even within existence? That is some of the questions that people are asking me internationally around the world. See, this black Hollywood thing is so small. Mm -hmm. It's so small. I remember, man, when they tried to create a, a, a pack. The first one I had heard of when they tried to get together was uh, Eddie. Arsenio, uh, Robert Townsend, Keenan Ivory Wayans. You know, I wasn't at that level yet, so I wasn't even in, the, in that clique. But it was about five or six of them that tried to get together and form a pact. Here's the problem with Hollywood. The people that have the power to green light a project are not us. And what they do is they find the next Cosby the next Eddie Murphy, the next boom, boom, boom. And if you watch how Hollywood operates very carefully, they get one, two, or three. If you want the top leading man in Hollywood is Denzel Washington. Now, if you want, that's Denzel, right? Samuel L. has made more movies than anybody, but Sam is more broad. Sam would do more things. That's what I love about Sam, Samuel Jackson. Mm -hmm. But if you yeah. want a black person in a sci-fi movie, then you gotta go get Will Smith. Mm -hmm. If you need one dog-skinned dude, you gotta go get Idris Elba. If you want the muscular dude, you go get The Rock. See, they keep it, man. Let me tell you, I've watched them keep this thing in categories. Now, right now, if you want the funny person, you go get Kevin Hart, you see? Because the people that make decisions, man, Hollywood is such a copycat business, man. The people who make decisions to green like these big movies and all like that, they just go, we need, so whenever you pitch, you gotta go, this is like the Cosby show. This, and then they could, then their eyes light up. Cause they've been looking for the next Oprah since Oprah came out. It ain't no more. 
They've been looking for the next Cosby since Cosby came out, and it ain't no more. So it restricts the newness that's out there. There is a generation out there of African-Americans, man, that's so talented, that's got so many dope ideas. That's why hip-hop was so banging, because black people created it and made it what it was. And we determined, black people, not me, but black people determined who would be the stars of hip-hop. And then white people went along with it. This is what happens, man. So until we get into creating our own what is, because think about it for a minute, Clef. All cool shit comes from us. Dog, if you, how you dress, the cool way to dress, black people create it. The newest dance, black people create. The newest sounds, black people create. The way to wear your hair, black people create. Swag is determined by black people. Black people don't duplicate nothing white kids do. White kids duplicate everything black kids do. Everything, man. So we have to get in a position, man, and one of the goals that I'm trying to do is my move to Africa was because I found out I could go to Africa and do anything I wanted to do, and I did not have to wait on it to get greenlit. I, I just, I'm over there just, I'm over there just doing stuff, man. And they so happy to see me. They have all the studios, they have all the lights, they have all the instruments, they got all the talent over there. They just can't believe that we have not crossed that water and came to them yet. Because we so brainwashed over here, we want to get so we want to be so Hollywood recognized. And look, man, I've, I've just stopped that. I'm as I'm as probably as famous I'm gonna get in the United States, but globally, I discovered a whole nother world over there, man. And so when I bought the rights to do Family Feud and took it to Africa, when everybody told me, you can't go to Africa and make TV. TV is not as big in the United States. Ain't no problem. Cool. You know what I did, Clef? I did it anyway. You know what? Celebrity Family Feud in Africa, the number one show on the continent in South Africa and Ghana. And I did a deal with Netflix. And when it came out, it was the number one show on Netflix in Africa. Because I found the way. If we would take these ideas, just come to Africa, you won't have to get greenlit and you create these successful programs and then bring the platforms back here and sell it to them. That would be the key. Black Hollywood is a myth to me. To me, it's just a myth. Okay. I, I've, I've gotten some great advice from people like the dude that then gangstered the thing in Hollywood and Hollywood's really pissed at him is Tyler Perry because he gangstered him. He tricked him. This dude did 82 episodes in 60 days. You know, Marcus Garvey always had the idea of, like, trade. And why can't we go back to Africa? And the idea of, like, back and forth, right? And that's one thing, right? So Marcus started this idea, and, of course, it got infiltrated by uh, J. Edgar Hoover's organization once again, um, and they focused on Marcus and deported him back, right? That's one. The second thing is the power of film is how do how you can give 
uh, mass population and ideology and a sense of thinking. Either it could be positive or negative, right? So when we go back to Hollywood, even going back to the White House, which the section um, where there's a library, which is just dedicated to the idea of what is called propaganda films, right? And mm -hmm. so I feel like if we go from that library and seeing how we were depicted in the beginning, like starting off from jumping up, watermelons, jigaboo, you know what I mean? All kind of stuff, all the way to where we at today, um, even with Haitians to the idea of the association of serpent in the rainbow and why Clef does voodoo and I could turn you into a chicken and make you stop breathing. Um, so, but that propaganda and that ideology just to show you the power of the film. So literally um, this power is a real power. The, the idea of film, the idea of putting something behind a lens and what we are seeing today is once again, the true power lies in the world and in the unity of the world, right? So I only go back to the beginning of my conversation when I said the reason why they wanted to keep me away from you and you away from me, I've said this from the get-go, is because the amount of information that we could trade, right? Because if you saw me back in the days and you was like, what just happened? I said, well, we just took Napoleon out. And you'd be like, well, where you from? I said, well, Haiti, but where you from? And I'd be like, Benin. You'd be like, well, what's that? What's Benin? What is that? And I'd be yeah. like, yo, it's a place in Africa. You know what I'm saying? Maybe one day we might want to go there. So um, once again, I feel that, you know, Africa is very important as we move forward. But at the same time, give us what is ours. And what is ours is within 400 years of slavery, we have not asked necessary. I heard Bob Johnson speaking within a form of reparation, right? And he's like, yo, when y'all talk, y'all really need to be talking about reparation, right? So for me, as we move forward, what I would like to see within these United States of America is like, programs that could really start to change these rural areas, right? Because at the end of the day, when we look at, you know, I got families that are in gangs, been deported and all kind of things. When I'm looking at these rural areas, I'm looking at it, and the reason why I call you a gatekeeper, because at the end of the day, you have done more than a president, a congressman, a, a mayor, and everybody put together. And at the end of the day, the reason why people would come at you is the same reason that people would come at me, because there's a part of us which is called public service, and people don't understand. We don't have to do that part. It's because it's the will that's instilled with us. It's the godliness in us that says that we decide that we're gonna help. So I look forward to your journey as you move forward. Um, when I came from Haiti, I used to watch Family Feud. Literally, one of our favorite shows still to today on the planet. Congratulations. I made a joke um, I was saying about you before I let you go. I was like, the reason why I got 75 jobs as a West Indian, I said, because I done watched Steve Harvey. And at the end of the day, it's so important that um, what you teach us is the hustle and the bustle and yeah. really don't stop. And I was thinking the last time that I was sitting in a seat with you and you was interviewing me and I brought two kids with me. And yeah. I was like, 
what would be the best way? What, what's the gift? Because every time you come on Run That Back, I have a gift that I give somebody. There was one of the artists that I had, his name was Jeremy Torres. And he was like, yo, this kid is really special. So I told Jeremy that I'm coming to see you. And he wanted me to give you this gift. So you ready for the gift? I'm ready, man. All right, this is our gift to you. Go ahead. I'm gonna slap whoever he is. As soon as I see him, I'm slapping him. Hey, dog, you have any idea how hard it is to do a remake of a classic from a legend like Al Green? Wrap it up, own it, and make me like it? No, dog, because I'm classic. I'm classic old school. You can't fool me, dog. I've been, I've been drinking music my entire life, 63 years, man. I drank music. I can't play it, I can't really sing it, but feeling it, I know what it sound like, I know what you're supposed to play. I'm a, I love musicians. I brought out all the great artists in the world. I don't care who you are. If you a gangster in this business, I've introduced you. If I have never introduced you, it's cause your is just getting here. Facts. Really, if you a legend and you are living in this business, Steve Harvey has introduced you. And this little, I don't know who this is, but this little mother boy, Make me. He, he, yeah, he he actually was the one that you when we came on your show, when he rocked with me on Demons and Joy, he was like, yo, this kid right here, something about him. So of course we told him we was coming to see you. And <clears throat> Maddie was like, this your favorite song. 
And in 24 hours, he turned that around so I could play that for you. 24 hours? Dog, that's my around. cut. I need a copy of. I we need got a copy of. We got you. Oh, we got you. Queen Latifah so. did it with Al Green, and mm -hmm. Queen Latifah ripped it up too. But this boy yeah. right here, he own he own one. He All own. All right. Well, King, we love you, and yeah, thank you so much. Um, because I know you like Jeff Bezos. You don't really do interviews. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, and Clef, Clef, let me I tell already you know. I know. This is the first podcast I've ever done. I, I already know. And you know what I say? Well, I got 100 requests. I don't do, I don't, I'm, for what? Yeah. And then you know what I said? I always say, with me, it's never an interview, it's a conversation. You know how I'm looking at you from the sideline and I'm thinking, and I'm like, if I ever had a chance to speak to you. So what I love about this is, this is a moment in history and in time, it'll be in the books where I got a chance to give you a piece of my mind yeah. on how I think about you, because you living in your own body and sometimes you may not see yourself. So we want you to know that we love you. Thank you, man. I love you too, boy. Appreciate you. Love you too, my king. Salute. Right. Keep the right to heart, reflect a Stephen King. Clean the books, all the different people say, ah, I got tired of the fat lady, so I sit down my own opera. Ballin' 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 to the man and rock on silence. It's getting by the such a vulture die. What's up, y'all? This your boy, Wyclef Jean. Turn me on. And I know what y'all saying. We already know you, Wyclef, like, why do rappers do that, like, address themselves in the third party? Like, we already know you here. You don't have to say your name. Like, it's like, it's like the worst habit. Because when you write in rhymes, it's like you're talking to yourself. You're like, yo, I'm Y Clef. About to introduce Octavian. About to put y'all on. French, British rapper, singer, songwriter, based out of London. Um, Amazing. And for me, um, one of the things um, which I love about Octavian is, there we go. I always talk about that triple trek thing, you know what I'm saying? Where he comes completely with the full package. I mean, his music is amazing. Um, and also, okay, so do not take this out. So if anyone just heard a toilet flush, like in the middle of this episode, <clears throat> let's not take it out. We in the crib. Yo, can you do me a favor? Close the door to the bathroom when you're using it. So y'all, let's get back to um. All right, man, cool, let's get back into it. And I told my editors, don't edit this out because this is what makes this what it is. So amazing look, amazing artist, brilliant, you know? Like, so remember like Prince, right? Prince had the whole package. Like you'd be like, yo, is this guy a model or is he a musician? You know what I'm saying to you? So I know y'all like, yo, Clef, let's get with the vibes. So one more thing, I, I think, um, so let me describe. You definitely have a bit of a dance hall vibe at times, downbeat, grime, um, and I could keep going. Um, so my relationship with London or England period is very deep. So I'm not giving you a uh, secondhand information like, I'm in New Jersey in the crib, like, I, you know, was thinking about this artist. Like, I just know, like, at times when I used to go to London and 
always like in search of like what's the next sound and the vibe and the energy that's coming from out there. So I definitely want to put y'all on. Let's get into this Octavian love. Okay, best. I just made your girl a sketch. Yes, you rep. The sex you make my kid yes. a wreck. Kill man, you next. Yes. Disrespect the set. Now grab your head. Dislocate your neck. It's clicking to the intercept. It's payday, fellas. Now they're acting like they're innocent. <clears throat> If I lay him in his head, we're gonna go and hit the deck. <clears throat> gonna lose your intellect. <clears throat> okay, best. I just made your girl a sketch. You rep. Okay, y'all already know what time it is. It's time for us to toast up. And I think when we look like at history, we always realize at times 
that there are those people that just literally take a whole generation and put on a back, like good or bad, they actually walk forward with the whole thing. And yeah, and often criticized and by the same people that they're trying to help at times. That's That part of it is a reality. And they always said that you will not understand my chair unless you sit in it, you know what I mean? So I think like, I've really watched this man have people back personally. And so I want to toast to a great friend, great leader, Steve Harvey. Respect to you, sir.